Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Reverend Blake Ruby from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to my show, Church of the Soul's Evolution. You ever wonder who you are sometimes? Like who you really are, who your soul is? Like what your mission is? And how many past lives you've had? I wonder myself, there's no way of telling because those memories of our past lives and of our pre-existence in the spirit realm have been blocked out because of this world, this category of world we find ourselves living on after we are born, born into this world, we did pre-exist before then. And I think I am one of the people, one of the souls around the universe who is called the Pied Piper, if you will. And I'm only just beginning to realize this. I am somebody who is destined, given a mission to by the mother and father God themselves to come to earth and try to bring everybody together. I can't think of a more noble mission. You look at television on the news today, the war in Ukraine, the events that have been happening recently, uh, the mercenaries that pushed through short to Russia, you know, People fighting, killing each other all the time, everywhere. Why? There's no good reason. It's illogical, really. Why can't we all just get along together? You know, like late great Rodney King said, why can't we just learn to live together? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? We're all brothers and sisters in spirit, you know? Maybe not not biologically, but in spirit. You know, we're all the children. We are, remember that song back in the 80s, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Steve Perry's in Journey, Tina Turner, recently who passed away, may God bless her soul, she's a great woman, and Cindy Lauper, others, they joined up and they were saying, we are the world, we are the children. So let's, I forget the exact words, let's just pulled together as one, united. We don't need some invasion from outer space or even the extraterrestrials to help us unite to be one race, one species. We are the children. We are the children of the creator of the universe. And by the way, when you pray, do me a favor. Do me a favor when you pray the next time. Just give it a try, okay? Do this. Give this a try, okay? Know that you don't have to go through any intermediary in order to communicate with the creator of your soul and your spirit, which is really your mother and father God in heaven on the sun, but the supreme creator, the creator of the universe, created everything from the Big Bang in the physical universe, that is, and there might be more than one physical universe, And it began forming itself one solar system after a time, one after another, until a galaxy was formed, the first galaxy, and then a new galaxy was formed, and another one. And each one has about maybe a million solar systems, you know. You look up into the sky at night. There are stars in the southern sky. Southward as you go, there 
there is moonlight and moss in the trees down the seven bridges road how about this song i like the way your sparkling earrings lay against your skin so brown hold on just a minute One of our dogs just came in. I had to close the door behind me. And I'd like to sleep with you in the desert tonight with a million stars, or is it a billion? Billion stars all around. And I get a peaceful, easy feeling. And I know you won't let me down because I'm already standing on the ground. Anyway, so I am, I, you know, I found out, I've always known this, I'm an excellent whistler. Have you ever tried to whistle? It is really good for your lungs and creative for your brain. You can become a better person if you learn how to whistle. There's a lot of people who have learned to whistle, are really good whistlers. A lot of famous singers out there. To name you one in particular, Klaus Main of the Scorpions. You know, they're a rock band that's been around since the 70s. And just one of my favorite, you know, really cool songs like Holiday and Loving You Sunday Morning, The Zoo, Blackout, Rocky Like a Hurricane. And Winds of Change, that one in particular, the Winds of Change, my friends. Do you feel the Winds of Change? Do you feel the Winds of Change? Back in 1989, there was a change going on in the world. The Soviet Union broke up. Mr. Gorbachev was the leader for the Russians, a great, great man no doubt. And George Bush Sr., also a great man. May God bless their souls. I think that since I know George H.W. Bush, I think his initials are, has gone on to the spirit realms in heaven. And I think Mr. Gorbachev, too, just great man. And the wall came down. Do you remember that? The Scorpions wrote the song, Winds of Change. And the, the beginning, how many of you recognize this little whistle in that song. <laughs> Some reason now I can't whistle them. My mouth must be dry. But anyway, I put on some music, like classical music, like I did this morning. I've done the last few days. I get tired of singing sometimes, you know. Even though I'm a really good singer, I sing in the choir at church, and I sing karaoke. I went on a cruise recently, just got back. You know, that's why I haven't been doing, doing my show the last two weeks, because I was, it might have been the last three weeks, actually. No, just last two weeks, because I was on a cruise to Alaska with my wife for her 70th birthday, and we had a great time. I did karaoke just about every day, you know. I sang about 20 songs altogether on the cruise, 
My wife, on her 70th birthday, which was the 12th of June, she wore a tiara on her head and a sash over her chest saying, it's my 70th birthday. And she got so many people who were stopping and wishing her happy birthday. It was really amazing. But I sang about 20 songs. And, and when I sing karaoke, I don't look at the monitor. Maybe I, had, I did have to peek a couple of times with some songs like Frank Sinatra's My Way. Especially when there's a lot of people out there listening. you got 200-some people looking at you and listening. And, you know, they, their reactions are different. You know, some people are interested. Other people aren't. Some people appear to be aggravated. Um, maybe that's just who they are. You know, they'll scratch themselves. And then maybe, you know, you feel like there's a potential to be distracted. But that's typical of any karaoke place, you know. But if you sing well, usually, generally speaking, you get a nice, reception, you know, a nice uh, applause afterwards. And I did it almost every time. And I tried to sing different songs because I know a lot of songs that built up a repertoire of about 150 songs. And anyway, just taking a drink of water. what that little whistling tune is in winds of change. But like I was saying, there's a wind of change in the air today. Back then, the wall came down, and in that song it says, isn't it surprising how we can be like brothers, all of us, you know, the Russians and the Americans. Why can't we just get along and be friends, you know? Be like brothers and sisters. I think most of them want that, you know? They might kind of resist against that westernization push, you know, that brings McDonald's and Burger Kings and who knows what other restaurants there and the capitalism and and they have their old tradition that they like to stick with. But And we've had that competition over the years, you know. They had the first man on space and we had the first man on the moon, you know, and many after that they sent a spacecraft several spacecraft in Venus, actually, the Venera spacecraft, spacecraft, check that out on the Internet. They landed, I think, eight altogether spaceships on Venus. Of course, the pressure there is so tremendous, and the heat hot enough to melt lead, like 900 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's a really crushing pressure, but all the spacecraft that landed were able to transmit back some signals to Earth and capture some pictures yeah, I think the last one lasted maybe a couple of minutes before it finally succumbed to the pressure and the heat. And so they're very brilliant people, you know, on par with us. I'm sure they have close to as many, if not more, nuclear weapons that sign silos all over the all over Russia, you know, the former Soviet Union. And they have, I think, even more powerful nuclear weapons than us. And so why would we want to provoke them? Where is the logic in that, my friend? Unless you want to die, you know, then some people out there do. They don't care, you know. They, they don't think about that possibility too much. They're too embroiled in whatever they're doing. The politicians I'm speaking about specifically, there are other people, too. And that's really something that we struggle with each and every person. You know, I think 
struggles with their own sense of invincibility, how, you know, it's really not possible for us to die. Yet we know we, but we see it happening all over the world today. 40,000 people a day die. We don't know when our time will be, hopefully far into the future, you know, at a ripe old age, maybe 100 if we're lucky, you know. I go to a Toastmasters club where I practice public speaking on Tuesday night. I'm a member of two other clubs also, and we have a woman whose name, her name is Grace Bennett, and she has a mother who's 101 years old. She's Japanese. She's a very strong woman, strong lady, you know. 101, God willing, you know, I could live to be that old, 101. Usually the people that live to be 100 years old plus. What I've done, the research, in other words, let me rephrase that. The research I've done, they usually are people that enjoy life. They're happy. They laugh a lot. And whistling can make you happy, too, by the way. Sometimes the hardest thing in life, my friends, is just to take a deep breath, isn't it? I mean, it should be no rocket science. Take a deep breath whenever you want to, but I learned that in public speaking. It's not that easy, you know, when you have people sitting down looking at you and not saying anything. Um, there's a potential there for a lot of growth, but also for a lot of embarrassment. Uh, just taking a deep breath. Oh, my God, we hear that all the time. You know, that I would consider, I've, I've seen a lot of whiz- wise sayings, a lot of wisdom from people like if you tune into the soundscapes on the music channels, they have all these wise things by Einstein, and famous people throughout the years and the eras, and you know, Sir Isaac Newton, Winston Churchill, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, brilliant people and others, many poets and songwriters throughout the years who have passed away, some, most of them, and they have these wise sayings, you know, like Einstein said, if you, if you can't explain something simply to a five-year-old, if you can't, I can't remember exactly how it was, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't know it really well enough. You know, a concept, like, for example, e equals MC squared. If you can't explain that to someone, even of a low, of a low age, you know, then you don't really know all the details yourself. And some people... Their knowledge is limited in regard to some subjects, and, and so they can't impart, they can't really teach that well. And I'm going to teach today. I'm going to take advantage of this radio show that I have where I'm able to talk for an hour. It's a great opportunity. But anyway, I, I, I stray from my subject sometimes, and please thank you for your patience, you know, because it's so interesting to be able to talk for an hour and just go from one subject to the other. And sometimes I branch off, but don't get back to where I was before. I was talking about what it takes to live to be 100 years old. I might have skipped a couple of other subjects, but live to be 100 years old, as I was saying, to be happy, you have to be enjoying life, you know, the food that you eat. You might even smoke. A lot of people who live to be 100 years plus, from my research, were smokers and drinkers, you know, so that's what, turns you on. That's what makes you happy. You know, as long as you do it in moderation, I guess, then go right ahead, you know, but also you need to keep yourself in reasonably good health, you know, and exercise. I'd like to talk a little bit more about my perfect exercise. 
And let me do that right now because I, uh, I'm going to get to that briefing I said that I was going to give because I've got next week coming up at our training center where I work. I'm going to have a classroom full of 30 students. So I'd like to go over my introduction and my conclusion in that class because on Monday I'm supposed to brief my higher leadership and then Tuesday and Wednesday we have the class. But the, the, the perfect exercise, I'm a work in progress just like everyone else. I am constantly, have done in the past, revised what I do to find out what the best exercise is for me. And usually what is good for me could be applicable to someone else since we're all human beings and we're kind of the same, you know, inside. As per that song by Sticks, the grand illusion when we're all deep inside the same. So... I have sleep apnea. I've talked about it on previous shows before. A lot of people my age do, especially when you're behind a computer all day and you might be working in an oxygen-depraved environment and you get into your car and you turn your air conditioning on, especially here in Texas where the temperatures have been around 100 for the last couple of weeks or so, a few weeks. And so we deprave ourselves of oxygen. And it does make a difference in the long run, you know especially hammering behind a computer all day, it behooves us to try to get as much oxygen as we can. And that, my friends, is what I think is the root cause of sleep apnea, not getting sufficient sufficient amounts of oxygen. So when we lay down at night to sleep, whether we sleep on our back or on our side, then our body is suffering, if you will, not suffering, perhaps that's not an adequate, sufficient word, but a body has been oxygen-depraved, deprived, during the day, and if we struggle to get more oxygen into our body, we have a tendency to open our mouths and draw in breaths of air rather than breathe through our nose like we're supposed to. And therefore, then we snore and we don't get that benefit of breathing through our nose like we're supposed to. And according to my research, when we breathe through our nose, we're able to actually deliver more oxygen to tissues of our body. But if you go out and try to run, you'll find that it's almost impossible, especially in the heat, to breathe through your nose. And with someone like me who has a deviated septum, that doesn't work too well, and I found that out the hard way. Now, when I run, I breathe through my mouth. And I didn't always feel that way, but I found that lately I've been staying away from these sleep apnea events. You know, when you wake up and you stop breathing and you have to jump out of bed and, you know, get your breathing back right, you know what I mean? But here is a good exercise that I would recommend that I do. And this could change, you know, next week. But this has been working for me. I think I'm getting smarter every day and wiser, you know, as I get older. And don't do this unless you check with your doctor first. got to say that just to, you know, save myself from any possible repercussions if someone wants to say, try this and maybe have a heart attack or, God forbid, you know, something 
happened to them and they were injured. So this is what I do now for exercise. I used to walk. I used to walk a mile, two miles a day. I used to go around the track on Lackland Air Force Base. Going around in circles no longer appeals to me, my friends, and it's been gradually getting that way, you know, where finally I've said to myself, you know what, I've had enough going around in circles. Even the dirt track just down the road from there goes around in circles. And although different, you know, winding among the trees, very nice, but it's dirt. And so there's a lot of dirt uh, being kicked up and around your ankles and on your shoes and you're sweating you know because it's hot and there's chiggers down there and anyway so I have come to the conclusion that walking for long distances is not and breathing through my nose most of the time like you're supposedly supposed to is not the way ahead for me. And it might, might be for you, might not be. I'm just putting it out there and recommending it, you know, suggesting it, that save your energy, because I, I stand all day behind my computer. I've been doing that for now several years. They say that sitting behind a computer all day is not so good, you know, even if you get up and stretch every 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so. So it behooves us as human beings, our bodies, with similar bodies, to get a standing workstation. I would recommend that. And I found that I have more energy. To be honest with you, that's true. I do have more energy. And so I stand all day. And when I exercise, I'm allowed to exercise three times a week in my job, one hour per day. And... I go to Lackland Air Force Base, which is about seven miles away from here. Now, hold on. One of the dogs came out. That was the other dog, one of the other dogs. We've got three. And so I don't like walking around the neighborhood here. Too many cars. You know, I don't like competing with cars, jumping up and down curbs and stuff. So this is what I do, and it's been working, and I hope it will continue to work. I am a very good runner, a very good sprinter. I've been doing it for 2000. I've been doing it really diligently since about 2017. I mentioned this on previous shows. I have sprinted probably the equivalent of a 1,100-meter sprint over those years, at least, because I'm trying to exercise my heart. And it is, according to my research, the best exercise to, to, it's the best exercise to exercise your heart. It is the best exercise to get your heart to the maximum heartbeat. Sprinting has many benefits to include the activating of the human growth hormone if you're looking young and also for one circulation the blood when the heart starts beating faster my friend and nothing will do it more than a sprint let me tell you nothing nothing even jogging no it's not the same jogging you're putting that 
I mean, you can do it if you want. You know, I've done it before. I cannot judge anybody because I've done it enough in my life. A lot of jogging, especially in the Army. And it's good exercise, but the ideal, let me put it that way, the ideal exercise is sprinting, jogging for prolonged periods. I question whether or not it's good for the heart. Let me just say that. Based on my research also and doing it myself. Now, if you do the walk-run, that's better, I think. Uh, the Jeff Galloway method, Galloway, G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. Check it out on the Internet. It means to keep your body from the muscle injury afterwards, like people that run marathons. He's run like 200-some marathons. And he runs for 30 seconds, walks for 30 seconds, runs for 30 seconds, does a whole marathon that way. And his theory... She believes in is that the recovery process for the muscles is greatly reduced and the injuries are reduced, you know, with the knees and the back. But what I do now, because I have no desire anymore to be a long runner, long distance runner, I've done a couple of half marathons, no full marathons, and for the people that do them, my hat is off to them. I admire and respect you. I, I recognize that you have a lot of strength. But I'm just saying for me, in being almost 69 years old, I fractured my spine before, misaligned my fourth and fifth lumbar vertebrae. I've got one kidney. I donated one of my kidneys to my son in 1995 when I was on active duty in the Army. And what I do now for exercise, as I mentioned, I don't walk anymore and it's working out. I go to the track. I don't walk around in circles. I just use a straightaway. I bought myself a little red cone. I walk down to where I'm going to run to, about 80, 90 meters down. And I put it down on the ground. I'll walk back. And I've got my gloves on that I use, my running gloves. I don't care if it's hot outside or cold outside. It doesn't make a difference to me. Gloves I found help my hands in synchronization, my arms, the arm swing. You see football players, you know, that's a good example. Football players who use gloves. See how dexterous they are. See how flexible, how well-coordinated they are because they wear gloves. Baseball players, you know, when they swing their bats, they use gloves. And they run down to first base, they run the bases with their gloves on. And gloves... Also, for me, my nose runs a lot, and uh, I reach up and wipe my nose with my gloves all the time. So that's another benefit. Of course, when it's cold out, then you keep your hands somewhat warm, you know. And in the summertime, I know I've gotten some weird looks from people, you know, like, why are you wearing gloves? But each to his own, I found that my hands sweat a lot, and so that they don't sweat as much when I wear gloves. And also, I've fallen down, especially sprinting. The possibility of you tripping and falling is greatly enhanced when you sprint. And I've fallen down on pavement before. Recently, I fell down crossing the road here in my neighborhood when I was running. And I tripped on, like, one of those center markers in the road. Next thing I knew, I was taking a tumble, and I put on my hands. I had my gloves on. And I got, well, my left hand kind of broke most of my fall, but it 
scuffed my left glove and put a hole in it. You know, that would have been my hand if I had fallen down with no gloves on. And also, even just walking on the sidewalks around work there, people had fallen, skinned their knees. One time I was doing a fast walk, and there was a bit of mud on the road, on the sidewalk. And I went, whoop, my feet went up, and I came down. I put my hand out, and fortunately I wasn't seriously injured. Someone at work had broken their foot doing that previously or around that same time. So I wear gloves. I recommend them. Check it out on the Internet. You're not going to get much uh, as far as guidance in regard to what I just talked about concerning synchronization of the hands, which makes sense to me. Usually, I see it. I study it. I spend a lot of time, my friends, a lot of time trying to determine the right way to hold your hands when running. I see all these Olympic sprinters, you know, the 100-meter, 200-meter, 400-meter. Watch how they hold their hands. Some have the open hands method. Hold on, please. Carl Lewis, the great Olympic sprinter, used to have the open hand, kind of like karate chop, form of running. Now, females like Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, you know, she is like one of the greatest female sprinters of all time. Also, Elaine Thompson-Hurrah, she does that too, the open hand. Uh, Johan Blank, uh, who's got the second fastest 200-meter uh, time, um, he does that same karate chop. Usain Bolt, he, he kind of curled his fingers a little bit, you know, and I studied his form, you know, for the hand. I read all about it on the Internet. You know, there's different ways of holding your hands into a fist, three different kinds of fists. But I don't have to worry about how to hold my hands when I've got gloves on. Isn't that something? That's pretty cool, right? No longer have to worry about it, putting my thumb at my first joint and my index finger, you know. It's just, and I walk along and I feel, or I run and I feel in perfect synchronicity, you know. I don't have to worry about how to hold my hands. So what I do, I told you, I put that marker on the ground, on the track, I go back, and I just run down to that marker. And you can do the same. I could take anybody, somebody who's got a lot of weight, male or female. I can put them to this method of mine, the Blake Ruby. Renew your life, you know, get your, your bigger back, get your Peter Pan back, get your superhero superstar back. I could turn anybody into a superstar doing this method. I know I can. I haven't been weighing myself recently, so I can't tell if I've been losing weight. But you do that several times like I do. And I've been doing it just about every day. I'll take a day off here and there, depending on how I feel, if I've got some other stuff to do, if I'm too busy at work. And so you come to the 80-meter 90-meter mark, stop, turn around, go back to the beginning, you know. It might be a little bit difficult to do, but there should be nobody around watching you or caring what you do, you know. You might hear noises, but keep it up, you know, because that, I think, unless you want to go around in circles, no thanks, I don't want to. I go back, as soon as I get back to the start line, which is like this telephone pole, I just turn myself around, I run back down 90 meters. I can run fast. I can run with about 75% power, 50% power. Do you know what I mean? And I do it 
six times, and it's six times today, six times yesterday. But that seems to be a good mark for me. And altogether, you add that up, that's like about three laps around the track, about 1,200 meters, you know, roughly 100 meters, 200 meters each time I do it, multiplied by six, 1,200 meters, that's three laps around the track. So that's sufficient exercise. I get my heart exercised sufficiently, you know, and that's what I was talking about before. When you exercise your heart, sprinting is the best, no doubt about it. And a lot of people sprint, you know, not only the Olympic runners, 200 meters, 100 meters, 400 meters, 800 meters, 3,000 meters, and so on, but also sports players, you know, basketball players, hockey players, all the sports, soccer players especially. I mean, that's really difficult. They go back and forth. And they are excellent runners, all of them. They exercise their heart tremendously and get great benefit from that. And the more you exercise your heart, the faster the blood is going to be pumping through the body and the healthier you will stay. Logical? Yes, that's logical. If you don't exercise the heart that way, well, you just won't reap as many benefits. If you don't exercise at all, well, then your lifespan probably will be shortened, you know, according to research that I've read. It makes sense to me. Anyway, so I was going to give this briefing. How am I doing on time? 6.34. So I talked about deep breath. I put on some music, and I can whistle beautifully. I am an excellent, excellent whistler. Find yourself and try it. Give it a try. See how you feel. I don't think you need to worry about any injury. Put on some classical music, you know, like Vivaldi, The Four Seasons, or famous classical pieces like um, from Beethoven or Mozart, Tchaikovsky, The Nutcracker Suite, or some instrumentals that are out there on the YouTube, you know, like instrumentals from The Beatles or 70s uh, rock songs, you know, and just whistle along to them. Uh, one of my favorite themes to whistle along to is the theme of the Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cops. Remember that one? Anyway, now saying whistling a cappella, if you will, a cappella, is a little bit more difficult, but not as fun as singing, as whistling with music. So, changing the subject, moving on to another subject. Well, the submersible that went down with five people dead. I just wanted to talk briefly about that. I was praying for him all, the, all week, praying to the Supreme Creator. I was saying that also earlier, and I kind of straight off the subject. If you want to pray, pray a really good prayer, where you'll hear a response. I mean, I can't guarantee it. It happens to me, okay? This is who you should be praying to. You don't need to pray to Jesus. You can if you want. You don't need to pray to Mother and Father God. You can pray to, if you will, the Grandfather God, who is the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe. You are a child of, uh, a grandchild, if you will, of the supreme creator of the universe, who is magical, omnipotent, omniscient. God, the creator of the universe, knows 
everything. Knows you, knows how many hairs you have on your head, knows how many grains of sand are on a beach in New Zealand or Jamaica or Australia, any of those beaches there. The Supreme Creator knows everything, everything. And is omnipotent, which means the Supreme Creator has power that we can't comprehend. It's like a magical power. Say a prayer to the Supreme Creator. You'd be surprised at the response you might get. He, she, because the Supreme Creator is not a he or a she or an it, doesn't have a face, but you're talking with a supreme intelligence, and the reply that you will get will be cool. The Supreme Creator is cool. I mean, like chummy, like, yeah, dude, like, what you gonna do, you know? Hey, try it. Give it a try. Like, hey, Supreme Creator, how you doing today? How's the universe going? You might say something like, hey, it's going okay, going all right, a few problems here and there, you know, but um, it'll all work out in the long run. Hold on just a minute. You want to come in, buddy? You want to stay there? Come on. Come on. Oh, another dog. Dogs come and go. I got to get in, you know, because I'm out here in the closed patio. So I closed the, the door to the dining room and the living room. Anyway, so the screen creator is cool. Just say, give it a try, please. Don't say, oh, Lord. Oh, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all got Porsches. I must make amen. I worked hard all my lifetime with no help from my friends. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? So you praying to the Lord. I mean, who? What Lord? What does it look like? What? What is? Oh, who? Specifically, where? Where are they? Oh, well, you're praying to God. 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 This. Is it Father God, Mother God? You believe in a Mother God. Why not if you don't? Don't you think that it takes a mother and a father to create children? Are you a child of the Most High? Or are you a bastard? You know, you don't have any parents? Or when you would get to heaven, how many of you think you're going to get to heaven? When you get there, you want to find out you don't have a mother in heaven? Besides your biological mother who passed away, who usually you will see right away, you know, deceased relatives and angels you see right away. Or maybe you pray to Jesus. Jesus is a co-creator God in the making, just like us. He came to Earth, walked around, but he had help from extraterrestrials. It's a long story. I've explained it before in other shows in the past for those that are tuning in for the first time. Yes, check out the book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet. Yes, Jesus was an extraterrestrial from a planet of extraterrestrials that are the highest, in the universe and our Milky Way galaxy, technologically and spiritually. In other words, the universe is broken down by categories of planets. And there are a lot of other planets out there, planets with oceans on them all around the universe, oceans and seas and rivers and lakes. There's a lot of them, a lot, my friends, millions of them. Yes, that's true. You know it is. It rings true. And these extraterrestrials, they've been given guardianship of our planet, and that's the way it works in the universe. Those who are more advanced, help the civilizations are in the very lower ladders of evolution. 
And so a category, we're a category one planet here on Earth. And they're a category nine, which is the highest, a veritable paradise, just like heaven in the material universe, you know, with very bright, the, the skies are very bright, very beautiful, all kinds of intense colors. I mean, if you and I were transmitted there in some form right now, you would find that it would be too bright. We'd have to wear a shield to cover our eyes from the brightness, just like in heaven, too, especially when you get closer to the throne room of the mother and father God. And that brightness also it has a kind of euphoria associated with it. This man who was abducted there back in the late 80s for 10 days, read about it, abduction to the ninth planet, or Thayuba, the golden planet, or Thayuba, the Thayuba prophecy. And animals don't eat each other there. Everything lives in harmony. Everything lives in peace. Does that ring a bell? Does that make sense? You've got animals that eat each other. It affects our psyches, you know. That's why we've had so many wars in the past, you know. But you know what? You just deal with it because you have to come here. It's a beautiful jewel of a planet, you know. It's hard to survive. It's hard. That's how we learn better when things are hard. Yes, animals, that's okay. We're, our bodies are biologically able to consume meat, fish, protein, which we need as protein. The birds of the sky, the insects, is all part of the ecological system, you know? But the truth is, this is pretty synonymous. All of that is synonymous with a category one planet or a planet in the lower stages of evolution. And that's why we've had so many, besides the the animals eating each other in the atmosphere, which is weighing down on us, you know, the changing in the weather, the different ways one can be killed, not only on the highways, but, you know, from natural disasters, being struck by lightning, being bitten by a poisonous snake or a spider, being eaten by a bear or a lion, you know, or a shark in the oceans. There's a million and one different ways to die here on Earth. But it's a great way for our spirits to learn. We spend our time here on Earth from being born until we die, and hopefully we learn. You know, we develop our soul, our soul's lamp. Hopefully will be brighter, shine brighter when we transition to the afterlife than it was when we were born into this planet, you know? That's what it's about. The perforation, the, I'm trying to think of the word, the enhancement, if you will, of the light of our souls. The, I'm thinking of the word begins with P. The propagation, maybe that's not the right word, of the light of our soul, the, in other words, the increase of intensity of our soul's lamp, the light of our soul, that is the goal, one of the goals of us being here, to learn, that's how learning, knowledge, gaining knowledge, knowledge is power, but also will raise the intensity of the lamp of your soul, make sense? So. Recently, we had some fellow brothers. I think there was a woman, too, on that sub, right? There was five of them. 
who met their demise in that submersible. They went down, and, and in retrospect, and I'm thinking about it further afterwards, I mean, oh, my God, the, the incredible amount of pressure at 12,000 feet below the surface of the ocean. Why would someone want to go do that? I mean, they know they should have known that those vehicles weren't tested properly and weren't safe, you know? It could have been like the old rings on the Challenger, you know, the rubber seals that kept the different parts together could have frayed. Maybe the the carbon well, the carbon fiber, carbon titanium um, material used for that submersible after repeated dives down to that kind of depth would eventually start cracking or wearing out, you know. And so they got to about 8,000 feet after an hour and 45 minutes and were continuing their descent down to the Titanic when it imploded. Either there was a spark in the oxygen atmosphere and, and that caused a flash fire and an explosion, or perhaps it was a crack in the structure of the submersible or maybe one of the the joints and the rubber seals might have given way. But anyway, it happened. They were destroyed in a second. Their bodies were obliterated, disintegrated, and floated down to the bottom of the ocean and probably not one single large piece. I mean, I don't mean to be morbid, but there wasn't much left of them. That's what I'm saying. But what would have happened if you'd been on there? What, what would they have experienced after that? i tell you, in my opinion, they would have found themselves outside their bodies looking at that scene underneath the ocean, kind of like floating there in midair, not midair, but in the spirit realm underneath the ocean, because, of course, that's another dimension separate from the underwater dimension. And observing the remains of the submersible float down to the ocean's bottom when they were probably approached by either deceased relatives or maybe an angel. And they might not have known exactly what had happened for a few seconds. And they might have been in shock and just wondering what had happened. And an angel might have just appeared and said, you have died. You are now dead. You're submersible had a crack in the structure, and from all the repeated dives down to the bottom, it was too much for it to withstand, and or something like that. And so then, from there, realizing that they're, they were in spirits, and they are spirits, and the spirit looks very much like the physical body, then they would have been whisked away, sometimes through a subtle sometimes directly to where they were to go. I think they were all good people, so they wouldn't have gone down south, you know, underneath the surface of the earth to a place called God's Jail, Hell. They could have gone to the lowest heaven, from my research, 
especially in accordance with the book Saved by the Light by Daniel Brinkley. There is a place above the clouds, kind of beneath space in the upper atmosphere, where there are crystalline structures. This is all the spirit realm, you know, which is obviously not within sight. Um, outside the five senses, if you know what I mean. And some might have gone directly to heaven, the world on fire over there in the distance, you know, where the spirit can live because the spirit is made of light energy, and that is the source of light energy for our solar system. And our spirits and souls, if you didn't know it, are born, were born on the sun, a sun. Some people may be on different suns throughout the universe. And they might have gone through a tunnel, you know, so the tunnel begins to form and it's a tremendous energy that just begins to appear and there's loud noises like a mechanical grinding noise and then all of a sudden they're going down the tunnel to that point of light, which is the sun, or maybe another sun in another solar system where they were born, maybe many eons ago, you know, previous lives ago, perhaps depending on how many past lives they've had. I feel sorry for the 19-year-old because he seemed like a good man. He didn't really want to go, but he wanted to please his father, you know, that his Pakistani billionaire father. So that's what I think about that. I think that's a pretty accurate scenario, I must say, myself, unless someone else has a different idea on how it might have happened for them. But regardless, they were our fellow human beings at one time, Breathing this air, watching the sunset and the sunrise, feeling the wind upon their face, watching the trees all around, enjoying life, getting up in the morning, having a cup of coffee, maybe enjoying a nice meal at a restaurant, driving the car down the freeway, listening to the radio. No more of that for them, not in this life. Gone. Our fellow human beings. On center stage there, in front of the world, the whole world on television, you know. We didn't know that it happened right away. Usually, um, it doesn't happen right away. But in this case, we found out later, it happened last Sunday, in their descent down to the Titanic. And then we thought they were still alive and their oxygen was running out. But that wasn't the case, apparently. They heard the noise of the implosion. And everything was disintegrated. You know, that's all there is to say about it. You know? Anyway, how am I doing on time? I've got this briefing. Oh, I'm almost out of time. Well, I won't have time to give it. So I'll give a little introduction. So this will be Monday. I'll be at the training center. I've got my boss there, and I'm going to say something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Blake Ruby. I work in the, you know, I'll skip that just, you know, to keep the privacy aspect uh, adhered to. What I do is I work with operations orders in the headquarters income G357. I've been working here since 2004. And I was a contractor. Now I'm a civilian. I've been working tasking since 2006. I should just say I've been doing this a long time. So I have the expertise and the experience to know what I'm talking about, if you will. Now, the action officers within the headquarters occasionally need to put out an order to the field, to our subordinate elements in the unit, 
And in order to do this, it has to be in the right format. It has to have the right content. And so there's a process for doing that. We have a template, which is to be adhered to. We have an SOP. And we want to provide, that is our goal, to provide the best customer service as possible. And we want to work with you to get your orders into a standard that will be good enough for the commanding general and for the subordinate elements, the income directorate and the garrisons, for them to read this product and be satisfied with it and not have it full, filled with error, full of error. But instead, we strive for perfection. Our goal is to have a 100% solution for all the work that we do, and we want to work with you in regard to that. And so we encourage you to communicate with us, and we can talk on Microsoft Teams, and we can go over your order for a review when you're beginning your order in the preliminary stages, and we'll review it from top to bottom and go over the things that are wrong, things that are right, what needs to be corrected. But it's a matter of really just taking the template and your order and comparing the two of them from top to bottom, going from one to the other, and matching them up in synchronization, even if it's a period. You know, if there's a period on the template, you should use a period on your order. Spacing, supposed to be two spaces after punctuation, that's what you should do. If the dates are this way, then you make the dates that way. But have no fear. We are here to help you. We'll make sure that you succeed and we'll get that good product signed by the CG and down to the IDs and garrisons so that we accomplish the mission, my friends. That's a little bit of an introduction. And a conclusion, they say if you give a speech, memorize the introduction, memorize the conclusion, and then for the middle, the body, just have bullet comments that you can address. You know, you look at them. I have slides, and so that would be sufficient for me. But the conclusion would be something like, as I said, my friends, I'm going to help you. We are here to help you in your section to succeed. We are always available at any time to help you with your order. Just call us on teams. But we ask for your cooperation to give us the best product possible before it gets to us. In other words, put the work in, do it right, and that will save us time. We do not want to do your work for us. It will be to our advantage to have you give as good a product as possible so that we could dedicate more time to assist other action officers. So please, do when you have your review, before the review, and you're putting the order together in accordance with the template, try to get it as perfectly as possible. I know you come to a time when you say, you know what? I've just done enough. I can't do any more. This is good enough. Anyway, that's it. That would be my conclusion. So thank you, my friends, for tuning in. I love you. May God, the creator, here's a prayer, creator of the universe, thank you for everything, for the miracles that abound. Thank you for your help with everything. We love you, creator of the universe. We pray to you. We pray that you would bless us all, everybody. Help us to love each other instead of kill each other and fight each other. 
We are all in this together. We need your help, please, to survive. Thank you for everything. Goodbye, everybody. Talk to you next week.